What do we got? I have watched this episode so many goddamn times in my <laughs> life. So many goddamn times have I watched this episode. I literally was like, I may as well not even take notes. I can just quote this one from memory. <laughs> like the way I know this episode <laughs> is ridiculous. I liked it. This is not an episode I rewatch. No, I'm sure not. I don't. I can't stand. No. I know. Okay. It is a it is a well-known fact that I <laughs> do not like Will LaMontagne Jr. Not because I do, like, don't like men or anything. His voice just annoys me. He doesn't open his mouth when he talks. And truly, I hate it so goddamn much. Yeah, that's fair. And this episode is no exception. But, like, this one, like, it's understandable that he talks like he's a fucked up little dude because he's emotionally a fucked up little dude. And I'm like, okay, acceptable. But Just like a fucked up little dude. Just like a fucked up little guy. But, like, any other episode in which he is there and speaking like this, I'm like, open your mouth. Remove those rubber bands from your braces, bestie. Open that mouth. I Give me some enunciation. Give me anything. I have gone on a roller coaster with William LaMontagne Jr., because originally I was very anti because obviously Jemily. So when I met him, mm-hmm. I was like, ew, who's this man like flirting with JJ on the job? But then, and then, okay, the next few times we see him aren't great for him. No, no, it's real bad for Will LaMontagne Jr. is <laughs> in the fucking trenches the next few times we see him. <laughs> this man does not have things going right for him in his life for a very long time. But it's funny because, okay. He, I feel like when people first watch him and his episodes, the way that he, I don't want to say treats JJ, but the way he goes about trying to have a relationship with JJ is not great. But then, for me at least, when I learned more about JJ and her history, I was like, if this dude didn't show up at the crime scene to be like, hey, you're pregnant. Can you like answer my phone calls? <laughs> JJ JJ fully would have ghosted the father of her children. You know? Like she like she JJ is. So yeah. like, can yeah. I hate him? But also like first, I guess minor spoilers for the Willifer relationship arc. But <laughs> the next time we see him, they've been dating for a year and JJ has told nobody. And Will is like, <laughs> Will's like, you haven't, you haven't told the five people you live with that, where do they think you go every other weekend? And then the next time we see him, she is pregnant, fully avoiding talking to him. He's like, let me do the right thing and marry you. You're pregnant. And the team's like, JJ, you're pregnant. And he's like, you haven't told the five people you live with that you're pregnant? <laughs> It was yeah. just like, like yeah. again and again, JJ is like, how do I ghost this man without ghosting him? And Will is like, like, I get it. Like, you could have, like, broken up with me, but you didn't. We, JJ, we've been dating for a year and a half, and now you're pregnant. I don't need, we don't have to get married if that's not what you want. But we do have to talk about the fact <laughs> that you're pregnant with my child. <laughs> And every time JJ's like, whoa, wow, look at the time. I, wow, it is, woo, crime. And just like leaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, 
my God. So like the first time I watched it, I hated Will. I was like, Will, leave her alone. Get over it. <laughs> and now I'm like, actually, this is a man that like knows how like how the woman he asked loves acts and knows what he has to do to get her to like in like she's pregnant and she's like I don't actually know if I like you that much and it's like woman <laughs> like shut it's up okay if, it's okay if you don't like me that much but we do like I feel like we should still talk but you do have you to tell me, like that. me that much yeah, yeah like yeah. Will is like all I'm asking is that you don't like ghost me like you can break up with me but we have to talk about it JJ and she's like do we though (laughs) (laughs) do we (laughs) anyway there's crimes occurring like (laughs) it's so funny and so I guess minor spoiler but like not a spoiler they stay together for the rest of the show yeah this is it for them but it's hilarious because in fucking like season 12 or 13 JJ like has a bad day at work and she comes home and Bill's like hey do you want to talk about it and she's like not really and he's like babe your therapist says you need to talk about things more and stop ignoring me and I'm just like poor Will it's been 10 fucking years and he's like maybe you could like tell me when you're upset and JJ's just like oh feelings are so embarrassing yeah Yeah. that's the love of your life you have two kids with him like tell him you're sad it's okay (laughs) anyway so I have a lot of retroactive sympathy for Detective LaMontagne in these in the episodes yeah 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 you have a lot of detective will lamontane jr feelings and that's okay we can talk about them but first we have to listen to our theme song look at you look at you you did it i'm a podcast host we've done 30-odd episodes of this. I've done 110 episodes of Afterbite. If you want to do an intro, we can do an intro. Hell yeah. You're welcome. Speaking of intros, hey, B, would you like to record an episode of our Criminal Minds podcast, Wheels Up? James, I would love to record an episode of our Criminal Minds podcast, Wheels Up. Can we talk about season two, episode 18, Jones? Jones. Jones. I like this episode. I think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're out here like actually enjoying it. I'm just like, it's all right. It's an interesting case. I mean, once again, I think they do a good job of not solving it immediately and ignoring the fact that they've solved it. I think yeah. the twist is unexpected but believable. For sure, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. The read stuff is not like too... T- okay. Okay, hold on. I know, like, the read convo doesn't happen to the end, but Ethan, his childhood friend, is like, I'm a jazz musician in New Orleans. I can tell when someone's not doing well, quote-unquote, on drugs. Reed looks like he has in every other episode. He looks exactly the same. Yeah, exactly the same. Exactly the same. And then at the end of it, no drug mention Gideon is just like hey you're having a hard time and he's like yep I am I'll never miss another flight and it's like so is this when he quits drugs or like did he quit drugs but now he's like do I do more drugs I don't know I don't know I guess we can start let's begin talking about Jones a pretty okay episode 
but I'm gonna say pretty good episode. So we get a flashback of Reed's quote unquote drug using. We see him like get hit. He takes the drugs. He looks at the drugs. He's mean to Emily. And flashback. It's a weird little like. It's they're like, hey, remember this drug problem we've been trying to talk about? Question mark. It's the weirdest thing on the planet. It's oddly paced. It, like... I don't get it. It's just so weird. I just wish that they had made it clear whether or not he was still using drugs. Is he doing drugs? Or did he, like, take them with the intent to use them? He never actually used them. He just was in, like, a mental health crisis. Yeah, it almost does play more like that. It almost does play more like he's just having a mental health crisis. Yeah. Than he is having a drug crisis. I don't know what they're trying to tell me with this flashback. Criminal Minds writers, tell us from beyond the grave. I mean, I don't think any of you are dead, but (laughs) I assume (laughs) from beyond the grave, please give us a sign as to what the fuck you were trying to do here, Bestie. Yeah, so that happens. And then it cuts to August 25th, 2005 in New Orleans, the middle of Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. The dad is... Will LaMontagne Su- Sr. Yeah, I have him down as Detective Dad in my notes. Detective Dad? <laughs> hey, what's up, Detective Dad? Hey, Detective Dad. Yeah, so he's... It's Hurricane Katrina. He's working on the crime in the middle of the hurricane. I don't know why you wouldn't just take your things with you. Anyway, it's before the levees have broken and a tree comes through his window, knocks him over, and then he carves the word Jones into the wall with a broken piece of glass. And the whole time... Also, Will sounds like he's from Brooklyn on this phone call. Will is like, get out of there, pa! The storm's coming! I was like, They're opening up the dome. I need you to be there. Like, it's yeah. so weird. It does not sound... I mean, he doesn't sound like he's from New Orleans at all. He sounds like ever, ever. Like, I could give him a bad, like, Georgia accent, Mississippi yeah. accent. But New Orleans is, like, French almost. Creole, yes. you know? So why does he sound like he's going to be serving me biscuits and gravy? Why does he sound, why does this man sound like he works at the Big Biscuit? Like, what is going on here? And what's his name? John Stewart, not John Stewart. John, yes, John, Josh Stewart, sorry. Josh Josh Stewart. Stewart. Josh Stewart does not sound like this. He sounds like a normal guy. He's from West Virginia. He, He has a very regular voice. He has a standard American accent. And I don't know if they made him do this or if this was an acting choice, but how is everyone keeping a straight face while he's doing this little country boy nonsense? It's not even like, it's like not even country boy nonsense. Also, a bunch of people from New Orleans don't even have accents. Yeah, they're just, they just talk like regular people. Or I should say, they have standard American accents. Right. I shouldn't say just like regular people. They have standard <laughs> American accents. Yeah. Like maybe if they're immigrants or first generation, they'll have that Creole accent. But other than that, they have that standard American accent. Like Texas isn't even a Southern accent. And they're right next to Texas. Yeah. It's actually 
really interesting. Like they do have like people who are from New Orleans do have different do obviously have some accent differences, but it's not like American accents really aren't that insular anymore. Like right. there are some like outlying like islands or places on the coast that like are pretty insular and have really like specific accents. But like America is a big country, but mm -hmm. people move across it pretty like freely. So accents have really like shifted. There's like a, like they've shifted more towards like a standard American accent now. Right. And you can do a lot with a little, right. With mm -hmm. an accent. Like if I wanted to do a Minnesotan character all you have to do is do that all sometimes and people will be like, oh, that's like a Minnesota. You don't have to do whatever like country boy, like mouth half open bullshit William LaMontagne Jr. is doing here. I will die on this hill. This accent fucking sucks. And I'm going to I will fight on this every single time we meet William LaMontagne Jr. Oh, no. Every time we meet Will, I'm going to have more fun accent facts. Okay. And all of them are just going to be fucking dunking on Josh Stewart for the like 18 times he shows up in the show. Yeah. I think something like okay. that. Okay. That's another thing about Will. He's married to JJ for like 14 years. He is in like six episodes. He is in officially the official count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. He's in exactly 18 episodes. 18 episodes. Not even a full season's worth. And some of those barely count because in some of those, it's like there's a party and he's also there. He doesn't even have any lines or like something's happening and he like is in the precinct, no lines. Like, yeah, he goes to like pick up the kids from yeah. work or whatever. That man, this man is hardly here. I don't get it. Like when he's in it, he's cute. Like he has a big thing at the end of season seven, which is like, oh, I'm not going to spoil it. And he's in it sometimes and you're like, yeah, hell yeah. But then sometimes it's just like, oh, nice. JJ brought her husband to the party. One scene gone. And you're like, cool. Get that check. Like, <laughs> I'm happy this man. Yeah, I'm happy this man got paid his union rate for the day. Like, <laughs> Right. It's so funny. You know, they kind of act. They kind of act a little bit like Will is like less of a person and more like a little dog that JJ yes. keeps in her purse. He's like a oh, purse yeah. dog husband. Yeah, and that's what's so funny about it. He's literally, well, I guess he moves to D.C. to be a cop in D.C. But after, I think what happened, yeah, I think what happens after season seven is he becomes a stay-at-home dad with the kids. And yeah. it's adorable. And I love that for him. I love that for her, for him. I love them. <laughs> I love him, little stay-at-home husband. Kid. We love, we number one, we love a house husband on this we show. Love a we house love husband. a house husband. If you can be a trophy husband, be a trophy husband. For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, he never, like, complains about how much she works. There's never any drama of that. He's just like, you do you. I just kind of wanted a nice house and kids. Have fun, honey. <laughs> yeah. Have like, fun catching bad guys, honey. <laughs> like their energy is like they're bros who cuddle and have children like when you see them together especially when we get to that end of season seven you're just like oh that's like big bro energy they're like best yeah. friends you watch it and you're like oh that's cute 
oh that's cute she lives with her best friend like, yeah literally like gay lesbian solidarity like what if we get married for tax purposes and we have kids and then we're just kind of like co-parenting you we're know just like, like that's fun co-parents with like a funky energy it's everybody so at the funny. bake sale is so jealous of us like 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 this episode this is the amount of affection JJ gives to Will. Like, no, she is ride or die for him. Absolutely. The whole show, it comes up. But like, this casual flirting, she like hits him and she's like, it's a cultural thing. This is the most affection you will see her give him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like she yeah. continues to be like affectionate stuff. But even like on their wedding day, it's literally like... <laughs> I can't spoil anything, but you're just like, oh, that's cute. They had like a little wedding. Nice. It's legal yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, she also, literally. She will not marry this man. It takes six years and the what happens in season seven, season finale, to get her to be like, maybe we should get married. <laughs> And he's like, like we, already, we already have two children together. <laughs> you <laughs> might as well sign the piece of paper. What is your problem? This is the mountain that Will not maintain is up against. The mountain of Jennifer Jarreau saying, fuck you, I refuse. I love I, you. I'll have kids with you. Marriage? I am not a wife. Fuck you. That's JJ. And that mountain, his trek up this mountain begins this episode. And yeah. Will. Will. Flirting during a murder spree? <laughs> That's what you started uh, with, my guy? I can see why it took a while for you to get up that mountain, my guy. I can see why. He sets the base of... Well, okay. Let's, let's just get, let's talk about okay. it before we, like, <laughs> spend more than another half hour just talking about Will and JJ. Let's actually not talk about the episode. Can we just spend an hour and a half talking about Will Amantain's upward trek? <laughs> this man okay. has a journey to go on. He, like, tries his best. He's bad. He tries. Oh, but also, like, when else was he going to flirt with Jennifer <laughs> Jennifer? Yeah, Jerome. true. Like, when else was he going to, like, <laughs> he had to shoot his shot. And honestly, I respect that. If I see Jennifer Jarrell, I'm shooting my shot too. Like, I'm not gonna, like, oh I God. can't respect, I can't not respect this. Yeah. And also, it works. The uh, the wildest thing <laughs> is that it works. It works. It works. Okay. All right. The BAU. Yeah. There's a serial killer in New Orleans. JJ says New Orleans. It's New Orleans. So, three men were killed pre-Katrina. And then they thought the guy died in the storm, but now there's a new body and a new letter. Uh, and they're like, Detective LaMontagne died in Katrina. Now his son, Detective LaMontagne Jr., is handling the case. And they're like, okay, well, we got to go look at all the evidence. And they're like, oh, the hurricane took it. There's none. I thought that was a really interesting choice. Yeah, I was going to say, I really actually enjoyed that. It's an interesting way to like, Hurricane Katrina devastated that region yeah a lot of lives were lost a lot of just information was lost too yeah like this was pre rec all records being digitized 2005 2005 like that's pre a lot of records being digitized i mean it's pre-facebook jesus christ yeah like facebook i made my facebook in 2007 facebook had only been out for like a year or so 
can you like nowadays something happens people can like check in a safe or you can reach out you know but back then it was like forget it yeah yeah that's terrifying so i do enjoy that they like had to get around this thing of like there's no evidence they're going off of what they remember what was written in newspapers but that's not everything obviously like they make a very specific point like they didn't release details to the public they do that all the time like it's i i think that's a really this is a really interesting little twist on a post-katrina case i think and I think it's also an interesting way to make a case have history in the city without them entirely relying on that history. You know, sometimes you'll show up and be like, there's a couple cases where it's like 10 years ago, we had this killing and now it's started again. And so everyone mm-hmm. has these kind of preconceived notions based on the evidence they had before. Whereas in this case, there's that history, so it's part of the city, but they can only go off of memories, and they just know they were killed in the same way. So it's just like an interesting, like, starting fresh, while also it being a long case. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a cool mix. I really dig it. Me too. I think this is probably one of my favorite cases of the mm-hmm. season. Yes. Not necessarily like episodes, but I think this is one of the most unique cases they had early on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Reed, down the plane, Reed's like, oh, I'm thinking about this old friend that I have who lives in New Orleans. Okay, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. He says they were like competing throughout their entire childhood, like in school, at sports, all this stuff, and they both were like dead set on joining the Bureau. Reed was nine. To 12 in high school. This guy looks like he's his age, but it's like either they were in, you know, school together, so he's much older, or he was way behind Reed and they were still competing. Did the guy wait for Reed to get his PhDs and then they both joined the bureau together? It's like not clear. I don't know. I think I think this dude is just like four years older than Reed and they just sort of graduated high school at like the same time and he was the only one who could like compete but i think he this actor just looks the same age as mgg Mm. which is just like unfortunate but i think (laughs) i think spencer looks older than he's said to be and Mm. i think this guy looks younger than he's said to be that's true reed looks older than like 25 yeah yeah because mgg was older than 25 here wasn't he probably well, actually, he was born in 1980, so it's he was about spot on. Actually, he just only a couple of years older. Yeah, yeah, he just has like a gaunt face that looks a little older. I think he dresses like he does. Yeah, but it's like between high school and joining the bureau, Reed went to college and got like at least one PhD. You know, so it's I don't know. The timeline was like Reed didn't have any peers to follow the same timeline with i don't know i think this dude i think they went to like high school together this guy went to college and got like maybe one regular person degree and then joined the bureau while spencer went to college got like a crazy phd quick degree Mm. 
got a crazy <laughs> bachelor's master's phd real quick and then they joined the bureau on like the same in the same time ish that's okay. sort of what i'm kind of picturing is i think reed probably did a bachelor's master's phd in the same time that this guy did like a bachelor's and master's he probably his first phd was probably one of those like master's to phd programs yeah one of those like things that like accountants have where like it's just an extra year basically yeah exactly okay and then ethan dropped out after the first day and i was like oh i guess he just couldn't cut it and reed's like that's not really for us to judge is it and i was like okay <laughs> that's weird Why? that's weird like just making a joke okay and then she looks also so like sad. she's just making conversation and he's like hmm, no like okay <laughs> fuck guess we'll just sit here in silence while you fucking think out loud dipshit jesus like actually Derek's like what are you thinking about and he's like oh this old friend dropped out for stay and I'm just like oh haha couldn't cut it and he's like that's not for you to fucking say and then it's like a second of silence and JJ's like anyway I got some new uh, I got, I got some copies of <laughs> I got some newspapers if you'd like some cool okay. if you're all done being petty arguing right now I got yeah. some newspapers so this episode takes place in either later February early March because they say it's been 18 months since Katrina. Mm-hmm. So that's when this episode takes place. Late February, early March. There were three kills before Katrina. 18 months of nothing. And then this new kill. They're like, we'll look for someone who was in jail. Or maybe someone who relocated and moved back. But it's weird because all these victims have different jobs, different ages. The only thing they have in common is that they're male. And they're walking around at the French Quarter at night. But the French Quarter is notorious for mugging. But again, these aren't these don't seem like muggings. You know, the guy takes his time. There's no rush, and I don't think he steals anything. And they're saying that like New Orleans is barely recovering, like the tourism and people coming back, and like a serial killer could cripple the economy. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting through line: the economy, the economy. We can't let people know there's a serial killer targeting people at bars. And I get it. Like, I get it. It makes sense. But isn't it worse for the economy if they just, like, leave the serial killer? I don't know. Yeah. It also, I think it kind of fits with what Will sort of, like, says later. Like, the French Quarter is one of the only areas of the city that didn't get, like, absolutely destroyed. Yeah. I think they're trying to just sort of... Deal with it quietly. Yeah, they're trying to get that, like, post post Katrina New Orleans like we just need to like get shit done and like make this city livable again yeah and that means catching a killer that means cleaning up houses that means etc cetera, etc cetera, right it's like we just gotta like there we need to not worry about the optics of this situation because we have literally everything else we need to worry about <laughs> right now we have so much on our plates guys yeah and New Orleans is a tourist economy that like need to get tourists back yes yeah uh, okay. Oh, he introduces himself as Bill LaMontagne. Yeah, what's up? What's up with that? I'm glad they cut that. Me too. The dad calls him Billy in the beginning, and then here he's like Bill LaMontagne. And I'm just like, absolutely not. And Bill then they're like, <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> JJ does her Jennifer Giroux. We spoke on the phone, and he just goes, Huh? I pictured you different. And she's literally like, 
immediately she thinks he's hot. She probably speaks to these people with like her customer service voice on, you know right. what I mean? Like for sure she's like playing it up. She's like, haha, yeah, sure. Let me get you. I'll give you a call back tomorrow morning. <laughs> Very much office lady. Very much like customer service voice. So like And then Jennifer Gerrose shows up. Yeah. Like God, can you okay. I know this is like Hollywood, so like everyone's hot, but can you imagine like, hi, my dad worked on this case, it's serial killing, this and that. Could the team come out and help us? And then you get the person on the phone and they're like, yeah, send me the paperwork and I'll review the case. And then they call you back and they're like, all right, after reviewing and talking with my boss, we'll come visit you, we'll come meet you there, we'll work on this case. If you could send us any information you have, great. And then fucking Jennifer Giroux shows up like, and she's like, hi, I'm the smart person who helped you. And also, I am incredibly attractive. I would be like, holy shit. Yeah. Do you want to get a drink sometime? Or like, what? <laughs> like, imagine calling the BAU, getting this, getting this nice agent on the phone. And then when she shows up, she's fucking runway ready all the time. Imagine you're like devastated. Your father just died. This case is happening. The tourism industry is failing. Somebody calls and they help you. And you're like, wonderful FBI agent, federal uptight. The suits are coming. And then it is the most beautiful woman you have ever seen in your life. And you're just kind of like, oh, I did not prepare for this. In the least. And, and she comes, this beautiful woman comes dragging behind with her the strangest assortment of people. <laughs> There's like two gay cousins, some like old dude wearing sketchers. There's one guy who does actually <laughs> wear a suit. There's like this young, hip, buff dude. Like, <laughs> she comes dragging with her the entire Skittle squad, and it is fucking hysterical. <laughs> One thing I really, really wanted that they never did, and I'm so sad about, was, like, the episode that does not take place from the team's point of view. You know, like, Grey's Anatomy did one, House did one, where it's, like, somebody else, and the main team is just, like, running around in the background. I, like, really wanted an episode from, like, the local police department's point of view. You know, like... The guy talks to his wife and then he calls them. They show up and it is the weirdest group of people you've ever met in your life. There's an absolutely model, stunning woman who cannot stop texting. There's this muscular, macho dude, looks crazy, but he's best friends with this weird, pale twink boy who just won't shut up. There's the guy in the suit who seems angry all the time but also keeps calling his wife. There's the goth woman who I'm pretty sure is gay, but like, I don't want to say anything. And like, she's not going to say anything. But I'm like, not maybe. about to out her at work. She's not about right. to out herself at work. Then there's the old guy who says nothing, but then suddenly says everything. And he yells and I don't get it. Who are these people? Oh, they've caught the killer. Like, like <laughs> wonderful. Like, this ragtag team. Like, who the fuck are these people, you know? And they're so weird when it's from their point of view. Imagine, like, a stranger. I just wanted that episode. Like, what does the BAU seem like? 
from the outside. <laughs> All right. He says, I pictured you different. She, like, makes a face, but then immediately, like, checks him out. And she continues to check him out over and over again. Yeah, she she's does. like, all right. She's like, okay, hi. Hey, Willamatine. <laughs> I'll show you some southern hospitality. <laughs> Continue. <Okay. laughs> then he, oh, and then Gideon says, we're sorry for your loss. And JJ and Derek just, like, nod silently. It's, like, the weirdest. She's like, I'm sorry for your loss. And they're both like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yep. Sorry about that, Katrina. Uh, what's going on? So, what the fuck is happening here? It's <laughs> so, like, what's happening? Anyway, pleasantries out of the way. Thank you for thinking I'm hot. Saw your dad's dead. What's going on? And Will's like, oh, my dad got this letter from the killer detailing like the murder. And they're like, okay, go to the coroner's office. Emily and Reed are there. The coroner is like. Three layers of fatty tissue cut like butter. Amazing. <laughs> it's like, this dude. It's like half of it is really sad because he's like, we're still finding bodies. There's barely any room in the morgue. Like, tragic, tragic, tragic. But then he's also like, oh, yeah. Oh, no. I remember kills like this. Oh, yeah. Wild. She dissected them. Crazy. Left all the organs in there and everything. Wild. It's like, okay. <laughs> Thank you for your thank you for your good work question yeah. mark. <laughs> and then Emily like lifts the blanket and it's like he still smells like alcohol. And the guy's like, Yeah, it's New Orleans. I don't know what you want for me. Also, he died like this morning. He died after drinking a lot. He, he like, died like five hours. What do you ago. want? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like of course he still smells like alcohol. We also disinfected him with alcohol. Like, what else do you want here, girl? Yeah. And then the guy says maybe the killer had medical training because they carved in the body, like, the way she carved without leaving it any, without fucking up the organs is, had that practice. Oh, and then there's this weird moment where Reed just, like, the guy says that and Reed's just like, hmm, okay. And then Emily looks at him like, huh? What? And it was like, Reed did not do anything weird in that moment. But Emily is still like, Wow. I wonder if he was like they filmed him doing something odd and then like cut it. <laughs> I was like, why is she so startled he's not saying something? I don't know. I also wonder if it's just her expecting him to start some shit at any given point in time. So she's like, now she's shocked <laughs> when he doesn't start some shit. I guess. You know? Maybe like I don't know, maybe they're playing on the like he talks a lot, so when he doesn't say anything, everyone's like, uh oh. But there's, like, so many times over the course of the two episodes where Reed is literally just, like, standing there. And everyone's like, Whoa. Reed standing there not talking is, like, a staple of criminal minds. I don't know why they're acting like it's some weird, like, guys, Reed's quiet for once. The man breathes sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was And he had been talking. He'd been acting normally. And then he was just standing still. And Emily was just like... Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he's on drugs, guys. Okay. Guys, he's on drugs. So then they're back at the crime scene. Derek is like, maybe the killer was like hiding around one of these doors. And all the killings happened within a 10 mile radius. Great. Then they go to Will's childhood home, the dad's house. They see Jones carved. And then Will is like so sad. Will is just like, I learned how to play the drums in this house. Like, I used to have dinner with my dad all the time here, and now forever it's going to be, like, this word Jones, 
I don't know what that means. And then also my dad died in this house and it's all messy. And then JJ goes over and is like, hey, you okay, buddy? What's, how's it going? And Bo's like, I just want to solve the case. And she's just like, no. (laughs) I was like, this is JJ flirting. JJ's flirting is like, hi, I'm standing, standing kind of close to you. Asking if you're okay. (laughs) You know, it's very funny. All right, back to the station. Hodge projected the killer letter on the wall and they say the line he was asking to be ripped and no one no one mentions how weird that is nobody does which I think is fucking weird like reads like interesting they're saying he's asking to be killed and I was like no no they didn't say killed they said ripped why is no one mentioning how weird of a verb that is okay oh ripped yeah yeah Ripped like raped, yes. Okay. They're like, it sounds like sexual sadism, but there was no sexual assault. Maybe it's a gay guy getting revenge. And then Reed starts being really cryptic. Reed's like, you know, except for the fact they're men, it's all the same. And Emily's like, what's the same? And he's like, back alleys and this and that. And then she's like, oh my God, Jack the Ripper. All right. Here's my question for you. Uh Uh-huh. Why Jack the Ripper, except for the fact that they're all men and they're not sex workers and that this is New Orleans and not London, it's kind of exactly like Jack the Ripper. Like, what? (laughs) It's really weird, right? It's like... (laughs) Like, the things in common are the same boss and that they're cutting throats. I don't even think she's, like, taken an organ yet. The first organ she takes is from Galveston. So it's just like... But that did technically, yeah, yeah, I don't know. know about it yet. It's fucking weird. But I was just like, why are you yeah. involving Jack the Ripper in this? Like, 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 why? Like, why? Like, I get why? it. It's like, I love Jack the Ripper. It's cool. I've been down that rabbit hole, haven't we all? But this episode, why do we have to relate her to Jack? Why is she obsessed with Jack the Ripper? Yeah, they never explained that for, to start. Number one. They never explained the why the Jack the Ripper thing. If you were looking for serial killer who punishes, quote unquote, a serial killer who goes after sex workers, I think there are more cases that would probably resonate with this lady more than Jack the Ripper, a dude from like, when the fuck ever England. You know what I mean? It's so weird to me and it was like if you're gonna set a case in new orleans why not make it you know voodoo or something there are so they do that later don't they yeah when reed is having his headaches oh yeah that's in miami florida though right yeah yeah bad decision miami anyway it's just i just don't get it like what like what is what the fuck does this have why jack the ripper why Jack the Ripper? Why Jack the Ripper? She was a medical Why? student in New Orleans. She was raped and then not listened to. And now she's being Jack the Ripper. What? There, the through line here is like... What? They just like... Insane to me. They just like picked someone out of a hat. They really, it does feel like they just picked somebody out of a hat. It's like a fan fiction when you're trying to have a mystery and you just like pick something that sounds cool even though it's like nothing to do with anything. 
even though it doesn't actually like make sense or you need to like you forgot to write who the killer is so you kind of got a fucking like seventh inning swing that shit yeah it's wild no it's wild okay it's just fucking weird why jack the ripper why jack the ripper save that for like even like a new uh new england episode why new orleans new orleans had the axe man like, there are serial killers from New Orleans you could have used. Yes. Very famous ones. Yes. yes. Who wrote letters. If you wanted, the X-Men wrote letters. If you wanted letters to be a pivotal part of this, fine. I'll agree with your weird sense. The X-Men wrote letters. That is a very famous thing he did. And he, the X-Men was the one who made people play jazz music, right? Yes. That would even relate to fucking the Ethan subplot. That would even relate to that would relate to the Ethan subplot. That would relate to the fact that like she was on Mardi Gras, like which is a music thing, right? Like yeah. there's like yeah. Another thing that I never mentioned is I think Mardi Gras takes place in February, doesn't it? I think Mardi Gras, yeah, Mardi Gras usually takes place in February. Yeah, yeah. So this is happening on the anniversary of Mardi Gras. Yeah. Like the nine year anniversary and she started kidding again. Nobody mentions that. Nobody mentions Mardi Gras. They mentioned Mardi Gras like, because it was nine years ago on Mardi Gras. She was raped. Right? Yes. And then, but no one is like, okay, so it's been a year and a half. Why is she starting again? Nobody is like, well, it's the anniversary of Mardi Gras. Maybe she got well, triggered. It's, yeah, it's Mardi Gras. Is that maybe a triggering time for people? Like, It's just like, where where is she from New Orleans originally? Does she live in New Orleans? We know she went to Tulane, but did she like stay there? I don't know why you would stay there after all that happened. And then it's like, she went to Galveston for the relocation. It's like, did she just get back or did she get back? And then the Mardi got triggered. There's just a lot of like questions. It's weird to me that... You know, now that we're looking at it, <laughs> yeah, it's weird to me that this is set in New Orleans because they try so hard to avoid New Orleans. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, they avoid mentioning Mardi Gras until the very end. Mm-hmm. They avoid, like, the most famous New Orleans serial killer of all time. That's true. The Axeman. Like, yeah. why did you set this episode in New Orleans? They also do not... Just for the Katrina connection, there are other natural disasters you could have used. Or there were other communities devastated by Katrina that weren't New Orleans specifically. It really felt like they wanted this to be a New England episode. And for some reason, they were like, it has to be New Orleans. And then they don't even show any like actual exterior shots of New Orleans. Of New Orleans. Like, this could have been set anywhere. Literally in any city. Yeah. Literally anywhere this could have been set. I don't get it. Great CW show The Originals showed more New Orleans in one episode than this did, like, at all. Yeah. It's fucking insane to me. Yeah. Like, if you want to have your thing set in New Orleans, that's fine. Live your life. Set your shit in New Orleans. But, like, then set your shit in New Orleans, you know? Yeah. It's so odd. And they just kept saying French Quarter. There was no, like, couldn't do a street name, not even, like, Bourbon Street or, like, anything. I don't know. It was really odd. Okay. Really weird. Really weird. All right. 
they go back to the crime scene. The guy has a stamp on his hand, but nobody looks at it yet. This was the one weird thing to me. So the next time we see a stamp on the hand is when we figure out Jones. But this guy also has a club stamp on his hand. And no one brings and it up. And they just don't, they just don't pick look it up. It. Weird. Yeah. It's also yeah. not the same one as the Jones one. So it was like, why? I, it may, they make it sound later that like she keeps going back to Jones to take people from there. Except that guy didn't. Whatever. They're talking to his friends. They're like, we didn't get into any fights. We all struck out with girls. Sorry. And they leave. And then Gideon goes, anyway, we're ready for the profile. And it's like, are you though? Are we? <laughs> this Are we ready? I hate when they do this. <laughs> they have no conversations. It's just like, anyway, we all know the profile, right? I know it. You know it. You know it. You know your parts. You know what order we're speaking in. You know who's getting the green screen. All right, let's go. It's like, well, okay. Where? Why? When? And like. <laughs> They're very wrong. Oh, oh, yeah. I loved that. I was like, oh, you're wrong. Very wrong. You're very wrong. Yeah. So Because you did not. Yeah. You have not talked about it. So they're somewhat right. They're a little bit right. So they get what they get right is like the 30 to 35 year old. They lure with charm and then kill with rage, dressed impeccably, low self-esteem. That's kind of correct. The losing your own identity. That part's correct. The part that's wrong is that they're friendly, a guy, that they're calculating, that they're stalking their people, and that they may work in an authority position. I will say, this episode, it's very concerned with, like, the idea of listening to women and, like, reporting rapes and, you know, men need to listen to women, et cetera, et cetera. But they spend very little time talking about this specific woman. Yeah. We barely know her name. Yeah, we learned her name way later, Sarah Dandelin. And we learned that she was a student at Tulane. She was celebrating Mardi Gras. She was raped. Tried to report it. They didn't let her. And that's it. It's like, what does she do now? Or what has she been doing for a living? What did she do after she dropped out of school? Is she from New Orleans? Like, why Jack the Ripper? why you know it's just like so weird it's like they really just got like the concept of a woman who didn't deserve it yeah it's so weird um okay and then emily is like standing in the corner in the shadows she's like men are super dangerous they stalk each other anyway jack the ripper stalked his victims into alleys and he thought they were super creepy and it was like Okay. <laughs> Why are you in the corner? Why are you in the dark like that, Emily? Jesus. Emo as a bitch. She's there for dramatic effect. Literally. <laughs> for the vibes. She has to help set the vibes of the room. Yeah. And then we see, oh, and then we get to the next scene, state time. We see a well-dressed man in an alley. And he's like looking around, snooping around. And then Reed just like appears around the corner and scares the shit out of him. And the guy's just like, Jesus Christ. It's like I was like, why is Reed being the creepiest guy on the planet? Because he is why a they, fucking little weirdo. Why are they meeting in an alley? There's a serial killer on the I, I don't Reed. know. Reed knows yeah, there's a killer literally. killing men in alleys, and Reed's like, "Hey, friend, let's meet in the corner of an alley." Anyway, okay, Penelope calls Emily. 
and is like, do you know what Jack the Ripper famously took? And Emily's like, uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. I don't know. <laughs> She's trying. She's like, uh, which is really funny. Uh, I don't know, Penelope. Penelope's like, a kidney, isn't that wild? And Emily's like, yeah, wild. What <laughs> did you call me just to like test my Jack the Ripper knowledge? <laughs> and Penelope's like, yes, no. I found an unsolved murder four months ago in Galveston, Texas, the same MO. And Emily tells Gideon, and Gideon's like, well, a lot of Katrina refugees were relocated there. And he's like, take Reed and Morgan, fly to Galveston. And I said, where does everyone think Reed is? We learn, like, later he's like, I told you I was with a friend. But we don't know that yet. So I was like... He's just kind of out there. Is he just like, anyway, I'm going to go... Walk around New Orleans. Anyway, I'm just going to go vibe in the city. Yeah. I guess. I know. I was like, where do they think he is? Like, okay. And then she calls him. He ignores it. And he's like, why did you quit the FBI after one day? And Ethan is, okay. Let's take a quick fandom break here. Okay. Ethan exists only for this episode. He is never mentioned again, right? Yeah. The number of people who are obsessed with this man. Wait, for real? They fandom voted him a last name. They ship him and Reed to the ends of the earth and back. There's so much fan fiction Wait, for this for man. Wait, for real? Yes. Hold up. It is like, his, they call him Ethan Hawk with Hawk with an E at the end. And they, it is just like the backstory this man has been given. It is that like cute white guy in one episode syndrome. Like fucking Anderson, except at least Anderson's in like five episodes. No, this guy is like huge. Like if you're not, For real? if you're not gonna ship Reed with like someone on the team, then you're gonna ship him with Ethan. It's this guy with the black hair. Oh my god! No, it's like a huge thing that people ship them. Hold up! Yeah, no. Hold on. No, it was actually like wild to see. Hold up. Yeah. Ethan Reed fan fiction. Here we go. 20 minutes later. There's a lot of shit I told going you. on here. And this is only and... what has been posted on AO3 and what's not just on Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a whole it's a whole shebang. There is like a whole lot here, and I'm going to exit out of the <laughs> tag because this not my cup of tea. Men in general are not my cup of tea, but that was especially some weird shit. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> Do not even remember what I was. He asks, why did we quit the FBI after one day? And Spencer's theory was that he was, that Ethan was battling his own demons. And Ethan was like, yeah, I used to be on like drugs and shit back in the day, basically. Uh, Spencer ignores another call. And then he's like, do you regret leaving? And Ethan's like, no, the music makes me happy. And then Ethan's like, I can tell that you're, you know, you, you're sick, quote unquote, if I can tell, everyone can tell. And Reed makes this face and I'm like, I get it. Like, imagine knowing everyone in your life can tell that you're unwell and no one's doing anything about it. Like even Gideon later when Emily is like, hey, Reed's, you know, Gideon is like, yeah, I know. And it's like, Okay, but well, is no one going to help this boy? So do something. Like, yeah, like, what the fuck? All right. Okay, so then they go to the airport. This is the same airport they use in season one, episode one. This episode, they cut to the airport, and I went, hold up a minute. 
and I opened up the first episode. It's the same fucking airport. I was like, <laughs> so we're not even pretending anymore. So we're not pretending. We're not even trying anymore. Yeah. Although, to be fair, James, mm. who would recognize that but you? I don't know. A lot of people. I don't know. <laughs> don't give me that look. <laughs> I made the, I wrote down, you know, that TikTok sound that's like, they're going to know who, they're not going to know. They're going to know. Who's going to know? <laughs> okay. Emily's already on the plane. Derek shows up and Emily's like, hey, where's Reed? And he's like, I thought Reed was with you. And they're like, oh, I called him like four times. He didn't answer. And Derek goes, there's only one thing we can do. Wheels up. Wheels up, wheels, wheels up, up. Wheels we got it up, again. Wheels we up, got it again. <laughs> I told you it was we in this episode. Again. I was. I didn't doubt you. I just. I. I didn't doubt you. I've just. I trusted you implicitly. Thanks. But <laughs> we've been burnt before. Going through a bit of a drought. I know. Yeah. And this wasn't even in the beginning. This was literally like midway through the just episode. Like nestled in the episode here when Derek's like, I guess we got to wheels up. And it's like, <laughs> okay. yeah, we do actually. Yeah. So then it cuts to Will and JJ at the bar. She, he gets a beer and she's just like, really? A beer? I'm like, why are you at a bar? Yeah. The bar part you didn't question. The beer is what really tips it over. Yeah, let's go do some, That's what really... let's go do some work at a bar. Whoa, you, you came to this bar to drink? Like why aren't you like, why aren't you at the station or something? Why do you why do you why else do you go to bars? You're not like if they had like, been at like a restaurant and he gotten a beer, I would have been like, okay, weird. They're sitting at the bar. They're not even like at a table at no. the bar. They're just like at the bar itself. Yes. Wild. And she's literally just like, okay, wow. And then he says, you know, the French quarter managed to dodge Katrina and now there's a killer. And she's like, you're going to drink while you're on the clock? And he just goes, it's a cultural thing. Where are you from? And she's like, Pennsylvania. And he's like, oh, they must be real tight about rules up north, huh? And I was literally like, why are you at a bar? Why are you at a bar? Are you even pre- JJ is like trying to pretend this isn't like kind of a date. But she did agree to go to a bar with this man. And... He, but to his credit, he's like, you know what? Okay. And he like moves his beer away and he's like, we'll play it Pennsylvania style tonight. I was like, that's cute. <laughs> Pennsylvania style. <laughs> Fucking dweeb ass bitch. I love you. She's literally. Fucking dweeb. She's literally like, he's, he's cute. And then she's like, don't worry. As soon as anything happens, you know, they'll call us. And then he looks at it and goes, why aren't you married yet? And it's like. Dude. He just dives <laughs> right into it, my guy. He literally, it's like, by getting the beer, low. Putting the beer away, high. Asking why she's married, low. Saying she's like, wonderful, high. Getting another drink, low. Teasing her about <laughs> being jealous, high. And like, it's like, <laughs> she's literally one second to the next. She's like, yay, boo, yay, boo. <laughs> like, it's on a roller coaster ride for sure. Yeah. Uh, she's like, why would you married? And he's like, why the fuck would you ask me that? And he's like, I'm just flirting. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he literally, like... He straight up is like, yeah, I'm flirting with you. It's it's not good flirting. And honestly, more respect to him I, for just being like, yes, I am flirting. Actually, autistic will writes. 
<laughs> we cannot keep doing this. We cannot keep just yes, assigning can. character traits that we we have to our faves. Yes, we can. Who says we can't? What rules am I breaking? We're not playing it Pennsylvania style. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We're playing it. Checks notes. Uh, DC style and <laughs> Kansas style, both of which are two styles that hate rules. <laughs> Miami style. Oh, yeah, fair. Well, if we're going with place of origin, then we'd be playing fucking Minnesota and Miami style. Minnesota. Minnesota. Does Minnesota like rules? Yeah. Oop, excuse me. Gotta get the Rams. They're pretty, they're pretty, they're pretty rules-based society, but they're all unspoken, so it sucks. Uh, subtle societal rules. He says that, he's like, I was just flirting with you. She's like, okay. Respect that he just says that, though. She's got the, the high... High part hands through hair, and I was like, "Oh, she's been nervous. Like, he's cute, and I'm seeing next. Stressing. She's stressing out. And then, oh, and then the waitress is like, "Here's a drink. It's from that woman down there." And the woman like waves, and Jay just immediately like, ah, "Can't. Why would she do that?" And he's like, "Maybe she thought we were just working." And she's like, "We are just working." And he's like, "Okay, then what's the point?" And she's like, "There is no point." It's like, okay. Lusted little dumb fucking idiot. I know. I love. He's like, oh, you're a little jealous. And she's like, I'm not. It's like it's a cultural thing. <laughs> Here's your drink, and then she gives it to him. Uh, and then she floats back by like smacking him really hard in the arm. <laughs> so true, little jock women. Literally, she's jock women love to slap you in the arm to show that they're being affectionate. That's true. We love them, bitches, huh? Okay. Emily and De- oh, em- oh, is this sad? Okay, we're sad now. Emily and Derek are at the fi- fiance's house in Galveston. And basically, like, it was his bachelor party. They were, like, out at a bar. Everyone grew up together. Um, They don't know anyone who would have, like, done this. And then they go into the car. Emily's like, all these people have been gr- are in groups. So, like, why didn't anyone see who killed them? And then Derek gives this whole ass metaphor. About like men being antelopes traveling in groups and women being lionesses who hunt by luring them away. Also, it really makes me laugh that he's like, oh, Emily, like you're a lioness. When like two episodes ago, she was like, yeah, I fucked up a date because I'm too much of a goddamn loser. And now Derek's like, you're so hot. You don't know what it's like to be rejected. And this happens again and again in the show. And every time I'm just like, she's dumb. She's hot, but she's kind of a big loser. But here's the thing is they're all kind of big losers. So I think they're just like, oh, you're hot because you're a big loser. People keep saying Emily is some sort of like sex kitten. You're a queen bee. You've never been an antelope. Blah, 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 blah. As if Emily is not like, chronically single and like Emily's sexy she's hot she's good at flirting whatever that does not mean that she like runs the fucking show she's also like just a little lesbian (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know I also Emily never agrees with these people she doesn't disagree she's not like Derek what are you talking about I'm a loser but she's also like I'll just keep my mouth shut. I'll let you think that. Yeah, which is absolutely the, that's the play in that situation yeah. is let people think you're good at yeah. flirting. 
even if you're not. I will. If say you want to draw your own incorrect conclusions, that's uh, on me. It that's is, on you. Like I don't care. It is so funny to me when people like will read my fix or whatever and be like, "Oh my god, you're like, you know, so much about sex. Like you're so good at flirting." And I'm like, "Yeah, when it's me alone in front of a word document." And I spend four days coming up with a single flirty thing for a character to say. That doesn't mean I'm yeah. good at flirting. It's not the same. That I'm always just like, haha, thanks. You think that, please, thanks. Okay. Anyway, long extended metaphor for no reason. And then, oh, the unsub's a woman. And JJ like hangs up the phone and she's like, it's a woman. And then she's like, looking around and it just keeps like cutting to other women at the bar and i was like that's that's funny <laughs> like yeah i'm sure you're very worried about a woman serial killer will's I'm in sure danger so <laughs> any of these could attack will yeah. at any second <laughs> <laughs> gotta stay close with him i guess uh but then the next morning at the station jj's like all right press conference time and real's like oh absolutely not we cannot scare people. And JJ's like, look, I'm trying not to go over your head, but like, you gotta give a press conference. And he's like, yeah, sure. And then there's no mention. They never do. No mention ever again of a press conference. It was just like a weird, like, yeah, they were flirting. But then JJ still has a job to do, I guess. And then Derek and Emily are in the conference room and Reed just like, walks in he's like sup guys puts his bag down sits and they're like read what the fuck where have you been and he's like oh i didn't have any service and then he just goes like snorts she's like huh, yeah sure oh so done with it so done with it and derek's like the unsub's a woman and then hotch comes in and is like yeah we got a new body cool but <laughs> i just love that emily was like okay great <laughs> sure all right, Emily, Reed, Gideon, Derek are at the crime scene. Okay, this is peak Butch Twink sibling Solidarity. Moment. Yeah, like Emily, oh, this is what I'm talking about. Those brown wool pants, the thick belt. And then she's got her, like, the first of many times she wears this black tight shirt, V-neck, thick watch. Oh, she's so hot. And then Reed is just like twink, twink touching his fingertips together, <laughs> all nervous. Ee-hee-hee. <laughs> senpai. <laughs> all right. They cut the earlobe off, and Reed's like, oh, um, Jack the Ripper said in a letter that he cut the earlobe off, and then he did, and that was the night that he killed twice. And they say there are two kinds of furious, two kinds of female serial killers, the cold, calculated kind that kill for money, and then the paranoid kind that kill for sex. This one's probably paranoid for sex. She meets a man. She like lures him away and is like, hey, do you want to get some drinks? You don't have sex in the alley. And then she strikes. She cuts his neck like butter. There's a new letter. Nothing too important. But then we see the woman getting dressed wearing red. Cool. And then we're at the club. This red is so important. It's so important. And then, because now we know what the killer is wearing. So, like, ugh. okay. And because every fucking woman in New Orleans is wearing red. Oh, my God. Today. They show, like, five women with red shirts on. And I was like. Literally. I was like, I mean, that's not, like, an uncommon. Sh- I mean, you want to go out and be sexy. You put on a red shirt. I get it. 
you know, the red shirt of sexiness. Red is a sexy color. Tango dancing and all that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, maybe that's a my a Cuban thing. Um, no, like I get it. It's just like the woman in red. Everybody's trying to do red today. <laughs> I know. Everybody. I know. It's funny. You know what I will say? We so rarely know what fucking day of the week it is in these shows. Like, is this supposed to be like a Friday night so a ton of people are out? Or is this just like a random Tuesday? You know, like, what is it? I don't know. Okay. The pairings in this. Hodge, nowhere to be seen. Will and JJ are matched up. They're like going through the club. He like keeps his hand around her waist to like make sure she like sticks with him. It's very cute. Derek and Reed are together, and then Gideon and Emily are together. I love that dad who loves his lesbian daughter. He's trying so hard to connect with her. He agreed to go out to a gay bar with her for the (laughs) night. He's trying so hard. She's also wearing another stupid patterned shirt. What is up with her in these, like, trying to be femme shirts? She literally is like, it's the early 2000s. She goes, where do feminine women shop? Wet seal. So she goes to Wet Seal and she's like, I guess I like purple. That one shows off my boobs. That's what girls do. And then she buys it. And it looks so weird. It's so stupid. It's weird. Yeah. It's not weird. Okay. Will and JJ, they're like, he's going to be a, the woman is going to be aggressive and attractive to get people's attention. So then later, Will is like, man, you know, she gets them and she's just like, well, these men are kind of making it easy. Like, I wouldn't go to a back alley with anyone, no matter how wasted I was. And Will's like, I mean, if they looked like you. Hint, 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 hint. He, says, <laughs> he says some weird metaphors. Yeah. No, he has another one that's like, Will is just like, hey, I know it's unprofessional, but you're very pretty and I do have to shoot my shot. <laughs> that's Will this whole episode. Well, it's like, I'm never going to see you again. I have to shoot my shot, though. <laughs> All right. They go off and do their own thing. So Derek and Reed are together. They're like, we're going to be looking for a woman on her own. Yada, yada, yada. And then Derek is like, so, like, where the fuck were you actually? And Reed's like, you know, my signal, whatever. And Derek's like, yeah, be better. What's going on? And then Der- Reed is like, look up her. A woman. <laughs> a woman. A woman. Wow, look at that. Wow. wow, a woman over there. So they go, they follow her, and then she goes to an alley, but she was just, like, returning some dude's wallet. Then Gideon and Emily are together, and they're like, she's on a quest to kill men. Maybe it's, like, a surrogate for her father who abused her. And Gideon's like, I mean, she's kind of apologetic in her notes. That's weird. And then Gideon's like, hey, Emily, did you give Reed the letter? You know, he's really into this Jack the Ripper shit. And Emily's like, and Gideon's like what what and she's like "Ah, nothing he's like you think I don't know something's going on with him I do and then he walks away and Emily's like oh Emily's like so you're just letting him be mean to me yeah like half is she's like you're just letting him suffer because she does genuinely care about him she's tried several times now but then on the other hand they're just letting him behave like this toward her only her She's literally like, you'd rather let him treat me like a piece of shit than acknowledge he needs help? <laughs> like, fuck you guys. All right. 
And then we see another woman, and we're like, oh, that's the real woman. And then she, like, goes up to the sky, and she's like, oh, let's get a drink, whatever. And then he's like, wow, you're up front. Like, oh, most women, like, travel in packs. And she just leans in and goes, I'm not most girls. I'm worse. <laughs> not like, I'm not like other girls. So funny. Uh, so then we see a woman in a red shirt making out with a dude, and he's like, hey, your hair's wet. And she moves, and there's blood on the door, and then there's the dead body. Neck cut like butter. Amazing. All right. In the morning, they're at the body. There's a note in the mouth, again, dedicated to Father Lamontagne. They're like, oh, she's maybe she's a vigilante trying to clean the streets. And they're like, well, you know, the fact that she kept contacting Detective Dad is like, personal she's not trying to get attention which is what notes are usually for she's trying to talk to him and then we find out that detective dad used to work in sex crimes and he left nine years ago after he had a falling out with his partner and then will like sees the stamp on the man's hand and he's like honey can i borrow your hand because she's wearing gloves and she like he like uses her hand to move the guy and he's like well i'll be damned it's mon Cherie. Which used to be Jones. Okay, I need to take a second because I realize this. Yeah. I know that like Shetty, Cher is like a nickname for people in New uh-huh. Orleans. He calls her this for the rest of the show. And like I get that it's a nickname, but it's also like the bar this woman got raped at. Is he really well- like... I don't know. I'd be like, stop reminding me of that case we were together. <laughs> Maybe that's me. I think that's just you, okay. honestly. Okay. It just was like weird. I was like, that's weird. Stop it. Okay. Nine years ago, Monster used to be Jones. And nine years ago, when the falling out happened, time to talk to the partner. JJ calls Penelope and is like, hey, there was a rape. They didn't report it. No, there wasn't. And But on February 19th, 1998, there was a disturbance at Jones during Mardi Gras. So they go meet Smitty, who is the scum of the goddamn earth. This fucking dude. I'm gonna... This fucking dude. (sighs) I know. I know. Basically, he's like some girl, quote-unquote, claimed she was raped. And then JJ's like, so what happened that night? And he just keeps talking. And I'm gonna go, so what happened that night? Keeps talking, and then Gideon goes, what happened that night? And then he tells them what happened. Like, he literally won't answer the women at all. Like, he's just, like, like sexist in every way imaginable, hitting all the check marks. Bad. It's just, yeah. Yeah, so basically he explains she was sitting at a bar. This guy's like, kid, hey, you want to go play pool? They go upstairs. The friend was right behind. And they ganged up on her. Um, and he, the whole time, he's like, she had so many beads. She was exposing herself the whole time. Clearly, she wouldn't say no to anything. And then he said, like, she knew the friend was there. She was asking for it. She was up for anything, et cetera. Just all these kind of bad, bad takes. Um, it doesn't matter how much a woman chose herself. It doesn't matter if she's had sex with five men that night if she says no to you it means no yeah this episode i mean i do like that he is portrayed as a bad cop you know and like everyone's kind of objectively on her side it's still rough to hear it feels bad that they don't 
do more? Well, I like what well, Will says, like, if you don't tell us this, I'll do sanctions on you again at this time to stick. I like to think he does sanctions anyway. Oh, he probably, I, I like to think that he does. Too. Yeah. I don't know, like. Because that's my boy. Yeah, I mean, part of it, too, is like, the, JJ says that the statute of limitations has passed. It's been nine years. Statute of limitation to report a rape is only five years. So it's like, it's very frustrating, for sure. And I mean, it left it. Will's dad, Will's dad changed departments because yeah. of how bad he felt that he could not help this woman, you know. And I think that by framing everything this man says as not okay, is kind of the best the episode could do. You know? Yeah, I guess. I get it. It's just it's, it's just a like, shitty thing. It's a shitty thing that happens all the time. It doesn't. It's never gonna feel good. Yeah, it's just a lot of it's just. Ugh, I, I don't know. I know. It's just we hear it so often, and I'm so tired. I know. I know. It was just like so real though, and I was just like, oh. And then one thing I do like is so he says like, oh, she wanted to fetch charges, but I knew one of the boys. He was a good kid. He didn't need that stain. And they're like, Emily's like, what was her name? The woman, the guy's like, I don't know. And then they're like, you don't remember. What was one of those good kids' names? And of course he remembers. And it was like one of those things of like, you don't remember the woman, but you remember this like boy, this random boy. It's just not good. Um... Yeah. Will threatens to do the new sanctions, and I said, I hope he does anyway. So then we get JJ and Emily talking to this guy. They are both feral, angry to their bones. And I they love are it. furious. I love it. They are both like, I don't give two goddamn fucks. Uh JJ's like, tell me who it is. We're not we're asking for a name, statue of limitations is up. And he's like, I don't remember. She didn't leave an impression. And mm-hmm. and Emily goes, oh, like you are right now. And just like stares at him. And JJ goes and gets the crime scene photos. And her eyes are like big and dark and scary. And she lays out all the photos. And she's like, this is what the woman is doing now. I bet it won't take long until she comes after you. And then the guy looks terrified. And then JJ's like, hey, Penelope, we got a name, Sarah Dan <laughs> It just cuts to her being, like, peppy with, like, her bestie, which I think is so fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I just cut the suit's dick off. Here's her name, Sarah Dandlin. Um, Penelope gives JJ the address of her apartment. She was a medical student at Tulane. And then we see her with a guy at an apartment. They're making out. And then she, like, shoves him. And he's like, oh, and she's like, take off your clothes. And he's like, yes, ma'am. He is into <laughs> it. Um, yeah. And then we see the BAU and Will go to her apartment and she's not there. So now she's like tying this guy up. I did like, I was like, okay, dude. When he's like, the things I'm going to do to you. And it's like, you're. You are not in the you're position. You're tied up, You're dude. not in that position, bestie. You're the. Not to like. <laughs> Not to, like, ruin your whole, like, topping from the bottom vibe that you're trying to give here. That is not what's going to occur, my guy. 
Uh, yeah, like he's like, yeah, I'm in charge. I'm the top. And it's like, no, dude, you're, I'm so sorry. You are tied to the bed. You're tied. You're the one that's tied up. And she's like, ha ha ha. Oh, I said big Megan Fox energy. Big Jennifer's body energy, right? Big Jennifer's body energy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we find out when they're not at her apartment, Reed is like, actually, it's believed that Jack the Ripper rented a room the night of the killing. It wasn't like his apartment. So they call Penelope. She gets a knife. She's cutting him up. Oh, they're at her apartment. And Hodge is like picking up the pieces of paper she's kept. And she, he's like, these are her trophies. But he's just putting his hands all over them. Uh, no gloves. No, no gloves. No, yes, you know, whatever. And they're like, you know, she probably has a history of abuse that this like triggered. You know, it's not just like she was raped once and then snapped, yeah. I guess. Uh, probably has a history of so Penelope's like, yeah, she, she rented this place. It's just blocks away. They go into the girl's rented apartment, the woman's rented apartment. The guy got covered in blood in like five seconds. They they tell us that time has passed here? That was two blocks away? Yeah. Can't I be forget. that far away. Like, she's how much like, time really passed here? She's like putting the knife on him. And I know she cuts him like a little bit. And he's like, ow, what the fuck are you doing? Ow, stop. And then, but then they come in and he's got like blood on his face. It's like smeared everywhere. I'm like, I'll give you three minutes, four minutes, maybe. Not like he's covered in blood minutes. Not, yeah, not. <laughs> this is the time to blood here was just a little <laughs> too. Not enough. Your time to blood ratio was a little off. Your time to blood ratio was kind of horrid, actually. Yeah, but it's actually very tragic. So they break into the room and she like wants them to shoot her. And yeah. she's like repeating all of these like everything people say to rape victims. He mm -hmm. wanted it. He was asking for it. He likes it. Like that kind of stuff. And it's just like tragic. I felt so it is exceptionally bad. tragic. Yeah. And then Will comes forward and is like, you trusted my dad. Now I'm asking you to trust me. And she's like, where is he? And he just says, the storm took him. Ugh. The storm took him. This line kind of hits like a fucking truck, actually. Like, for yeah. all I don't like Will LaMontagne Jr., <laughs> his sort of whole, like, I'm trying to do what my dad couldn't. I'm trying to live up to yes. his expectations. I'm trying to solve this case that was driving him crazy till the end. Like, I'm trying to do this for him. And the way that he just has to come up and be like, do you trust me? You trusted him. Trust me. Yeah. I'm sorry. We both lost the same person in that respect. Like, it's so sweet and yeah. good. I just. I think also I just realized that, like, both Will and JJ, like, lost someone and could not do anything about it. You know, like, Will could not get to his father to make him evacuate, and his brother died. And JJ was 11 when her sister committed suicide. And they both just have, like, these deaths that hang over them of, like, I should have done more, I could have done more, but in the end, yeah. they're not, like, ultimately their fault. But still, like, yeah. leave that hole. Ugh, babies. Fuck. Yeah. Like, as much as we spent the first half hour of this episode <laughs> ragging on Will LaMontagne Jr., this scene kind of hits, no. and I'm not going to, like, say it doesn't, you know? I know. Once, I'm going to give this boy his credit. Once Now that I'm, like, out of the fog of, like, you know, only Gemily, nothing else, how dare you, 
I do like Will, and I see that he is like a good guy. He's trying his best. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So outside the building, JJ goes and finds Will and basically is like, your dad would be proud. Like, you did this. It's great. And Will's like, I don't know what to do now. Like, I was so focused on, like, I have to solve my dad's case. I have to get this done for my dad. And now it's done. And I don't know what to do. And JJ's like, it's time to move on. Like, it's time to move on for the rest of your life. And then he is so cute. He's like, what am I supposed to do now that I've met a woman like you and you're leaving? He's like, now I'm going to have this absence in my life because I met you, Jennifer Jarreau. I was like, stop. <laughs> I don't like men, but this line was pretty smooth as fuck. Yeah, I'm and not she's... Gonna... Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take this away from him. This line, kind of smooth as fuck, would have worked on me too. Yeah, and she literally like rolls her eyes and is like, despite what you may have heard, cell phones exist. And then she like gives him her card and like leaves. And then okay, he does not get mentioned again until we find out they've been dating for a year. But JJ like. In the show, JJ gives him her card and is like, give me a call. And then, like, walks away. And then JJ, he says that to her. And she's like, yeah, this one's mine. Not letting this one go. Thank you. Thanks, We'll actually. be taking this one. Thank you, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Thank you. This one's mine. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here we okay. We're at huh? Ethan's bar. He's playing piano. Reed is watching. Like the gay boy he is. Mm-hmm. Gideon shows up. Affectionate. Gay boy affectionate. affectionate. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> always. And that, well, not always. Um, Gideon shows up. He sits down and he's like, how'd you find me? And Gideon is like, um, who do you think I am? <laughs> Sorry. Like, who the Hello? fuck do you think I am? Am I the yeah. best profiler in the world or not? Come on. And then Gideon sits down and is basically like, hey. And Reed, so Gideon, like, never apologizes, never, like, offers help. He's just like, so what's going on? And then Reed's like, I missed that plane on purpose. I was struggling. And he's like, this is all I was groomed for. I never even considered another option. (sighs) But I do want to say he does have three PhDs in fields completely unrelated to this. Yeah. Also, I don't like his use of groomed here although i do get it maybe correct it still feels yeah bad i i don't like it because like he has he spent this whole episode saying i really wanted to join the bau i wanted to hunt serial killers i wanted to do profiling and then at the end he's like i was groomed for this yeah it feels like a weird sort of like cop out of what of his own agency in the matter, of which he has a lot. Yeah, and we see that right? by the fact that he's gotten three PhDs. They're like science, mathematics, physics stuff. So he like totally could have pursued another angle. I don't know. I wonder if it's like a dig at Gideon. Like you, I almost wonder me. if it might be a dig at Gideon because, like, even within, even outside of the fact that Spencer has like a million PhDs and mm-hmm. a dozen degrees otherwise. 
he could have asked to take some time off after the Hankel thing, and they would have given it to him. Yeah. Right? Like, he probably said, no, I don't need to go to the mandated therapy, or no, I don't need to take time off. Like, he has chosen time and time again to just do BAU. Like, he... Yeah. It, it feels like he's... Yes, I feel like it's it's a dig at Gideon, right? Because Gideon is the one who made all the exceptions to get him into the BAU, who made sure he didn't have to do the physical exam, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But also, it's like a weird like denial of Spencer's own agency within the matter. Like, he's an adult man. He yeah. pays taxes. He can do what he wants. If he wants to take time off work, he probably has a shit ton of vacation time he's never used. Like, Yeah, I feel also that... He part of it is probably that he feels like he needs to keep up with everybody else. Like if he admitted any weakness, he would be seen as less than everybody else. So he feels like he can't. But like, yes, he can. Yeah, he can. I think it goes the whole thing of like, you know, they're portraying him as this like poor little boy who has no choice but to do these things. And it's like, no, he's an adult. He's an adult man. He pays taxes. He can make his own choices. Yeah. You know, like, it's just, it's weird to me that they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, right? They're trying to imply it both ways. I think they're also demonstrating here the toxicity of the BAU, of that feeling of like, I can't take a break. I can't leave. I have to do this. There's always more killers. There's always this. And you feel like you can't get out. And, and Gideon and Hodge talk about this a lot in season one of like, what's a vacation? What's yeah. a break? How am I supposed to stop this? You know, and they talk with Elle. That was Elle's whole line of questioning in season one of like, so do we just do this until we're burnt out or dead? And Hodge is kind of like, yeah, <laughs> I Pretty guess. Much. Yeah. And Gideon says here that um, he's been at the BAU for almost 30 years now yeah and he's like i don't know what's gonna make me finally leave and we know but he says like the job has to gnaw at your soul if you stop hurting because of this job it's time to leave which is just like completely unsustainable and terrible and it's just so this whole little scene i know it's so this whole little scene They don't acknowledge any of the drug use. Gideon doesn't acknowledge that they've been ignoring Reed's trauma. Reed doesn't acknowledge that he, like, wanted their help. It's just, like, two guys afraid to admit they have emotions. And you're sitting in a New Orleans bar, like, it's okay, you can be a little gay. You can admit you have feelings, boys. (laughs) I know. It's all right. Spencer's boyfriend is, like, right over there. Like I know. And then Reed says, I just needed to know that I could step away. And Gideon is like, can you? And then Reed just says, I'll never miss another plane again. And you don't get an answer to that. And I feel like the answer is supposed to be, no, he can't leave it. But that's also not good and not healthy. That's not good and not healthy. (sighs) What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? I know it's it's an it's a weird one. It's just a weird ending to a weird episode. Yeah, it's it's hard. 
I don't know. It's just it, it's a fucking it's a fucking strange one. It's a fucking strange one for sure. What are we ranking it? Scale of one to ten. Honestly, though, I am gonna give it like a seven. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. I. You can give it lower. No, here's the thing: is I don't think I'm gonna give it lower. Actually, like I do, like oh. I said, I think this is one of my favorite cases. I think it's interesting. So you're giving it a seven. I think I might go with you in seven. I think this is a above average, average episode. Yeah. This is a good episode. That's an average episode, but it's still like above average. It's still better than distress. It's better than fear and loathing, obviously. Yeah. We've yeah. sort of we had a really good run going for a while there in season two. We had a really good run going in the first half yeah. of the season, and then it really dipped down with fear and loathing. And now we're like, we're a roller coaster. We're chugging our way back up. We're gonna hit another another one of those. Is it next episode legacy? No, next episode is actually ashes and dust. To oh, the firefighting one. Two nineteen, yeah. Oh, this one's rough. Okay, yes, they said Jones. Yes, they said Reels Up. They did say both of those things. Nice. Wait, yeah, this is the good. Yeah, it's the firefighting one. It's a hard one. It's a good F, though. It's a good hot one. Yeah, it's a real good hot one. It's a good Emily one, too. She looks so good when she cries. <laughs> I love it when women look pretty and cry. I'm just, I'm, I love you know, it when like, women I'm are just sad. I love it when women look pretty and cry. Yes. So next time on Wheels Up, season two, episode nineteen, Ashes and Dust. Ooh. Exciting, exciting, exciting! You can find us on social media at Wheels Up Pod, uh, and we post an episode every other Wednesday ish, give or take. Just about. We're pretty just good about. about it. Just about. Only, like, once we did it. That's true. Well, one time it was, like, late, but, you know. Well, okay. You know, Most, you know we try. Wait, every other Wednesday-ish. <laughs> every other Wednesday-ish okay. is a good way to put it. Yeah. James? Yeah. Do you have an ending quote for me, bestie? Sure. Hey, B. Wanna play it Pennsylvania style tonight? <laughs> 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 it's the only one I could think of. It's a hard episode. <laughs> <laughs>